Welcome to the NS North Podcast. My name is Dan Byers, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Phil Kaskring. How's it going, Phil? It's going good, and you, Dan? Not too bad, not too bad. Our special guest for this episode is speaker Mark Pavlidis. How are you, Mark? I'm very well. How are you, gentlemen? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just wondering if you can maybe uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us about where you're from, what you do. Sure. Uh, as you said, my name is Mark Pavlidis. Uh, I'm a maker, make things. I'm from Toronto. Uh, currently, I'm uh, working with a team at Flixel, uh, and we make the product called Cinemagraph Pro. So I guess getting a little, you know, starting off, uh, born and raised in the suburb of Toronto uh, called Markham. Some people might know it. Hopefully, we get a lot of the Toronto contingent out to NS North this year. Uh, hoping to see some That'd familiar faces there. Yeah, definitely. Um, small fact, I, I grew up actually a kilometer away from Apple Canada, just down the street on Birchmount, which is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. All, all these years later. Um, small tidbit there. I'm convinced that that building is the inspiration for all of the brushed aluminum products. If anybody's ever seen it, it, you could, it definitely <laughs> looks like it was. Yet it was built in the 80s, I believe. So, I uh, have, I have. I have been to a kitchen when back when the... The uh, first uh, Intel Mac was announced, and they had only prototype hardware. And we could, we were asked to go there for a, a couple of days to work on prototype hardware that was only in their buildings. It was yeah. Way back in like '05 or something. Yeah, yeah. So you're familiar with what that looks like, so you can you see, yes. that, you know, the inspiration was there well before, yes. uh, well before the products <laughs> came out. Anyhow, uh, but yeah, I guess a little bit more about me. Then I spent, um, I don't know, almost a decade traveling or living down the highway in Hamilton. Uh, studying software engineering uh, under uh, David Parnas at McMaster. So most of my, my undergrad and then many years of graduate work. <sighs> Sorry, still, uh, <laughs> still, 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 scarred, still scarred by that experience. Uh, it was uh, focused mostly on uh, safety critical real-time systems. So some of the stuff I worked on, I guess it started before, my, before grad school. So as a kind of summer uh, undergrad work was uh, a big project uh, reverse engineering the uh, Pickering, Pickering nuclear plant uh, control code, which was a and interesting. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's not dangerous so, at all. Oh, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Really interesting. So you'd be I don't know either cringe or amazed at at what what that's all about and uh, and. I'll, I don't want to spend too much of our time here talking about that, but maybe we can share it over, or share that story over some drinks uh, uh, at the conference. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. But uh, also, it it uh, what surprises me is that you come from an academic background, and a lot of people that are um, getting to iOS or uh, these kinds of development are a lot of them are just uh, they're just jumping in, not necessarily from academia, but actually from you know. I, I took a book or an online class sure. or the, you know something yeah. like that. So, uh, how does that affect your um, your your take on things? Do you think compared to I'm sure you have colleagues that haven't done as much academia as you have. Sure, uh, a colleague and good friend of mine, Ryder, was the exact opposite. He was studying biology and. Hey, that's uh, like me, <laughs> right? So he, he came at it from a different, completely different perspective, but just had the interest in it and picked it up and learned it along the way. 
So I guess I had the formal training in it, which gives you all of those you know, theoretical fundamentals. And I guess for me in the program that I was, I was in, a uh, very big emphasis because uh, the director of our, our program, you know, he, he's, the, he's the one that, that came up with the concepts of information hiding and modularization. So those types of things and documentation were pounded over our head. It was very much a engineering intent. Like it, was, it wasn't so much software engineering, but it was uh, engi- uh, uh, software intensive engineering with the emphasis on the engineering part. Right. And um, so that was that was a big thing for us. So all the all the crazy math that goes behind things and all of that, which for me now, when I see all the static analysis and the things that are coming in with Swift, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's I just I remember that from the math from. Oh, well, now it's more than a decade ago. But anyhow, uh, um, but, uh, but that, that's kind of where those things come from. So I guess that, that's good in one sense. But on the other side, I fell into this just, you know, I fell into iOS programming just like everybody else. I was in my second year of grad school or a second year of my PhD. And instead of doing, you know, studying for comprehensives and doing coursework, I was playing around with the SDK that had just come out, and I was, uh, I was fortunate <laughs> enough. Um, prior to that, um, you know, I had a little bit of Cocoa experience. I'd, uh, most of the stuff that I'd done it was all just to kind of serve my own needs. So I built a um, um, one of the, well, I guess one of my one of my jobs was being the system admin for a group of the professors and uh, for their grad students uh, when I was an undergrad and. Um, and one of the things, uh, one of the things that I built was a, a print management system, uh, just because their grad students were printing out way too many pages and they wanted to keep track of it. <laughs> so it, it gave me an opportunity. At this time, uh, a new programming language was just kind of coming out, uh, or, or at least coming out uh, here in North America, which was Ruby. And this was this is well before Rails and it, before it was huge, or you know, and all of that big following and whatnot. Um, so it was a, it was a way for me to learn the language and do something. So I built this print management system on top of it. And then when I became an undergrad, um, uh, or sorry, a grad student, I got in a you know got in a Mac. I had migrated from from ten years of running Linux at that point. So I uh, got my Mac and and did a little front end, you know, a little Cocoa front end on that. So a little little Mac app for that. And so that was that was basically my experience in all of that. So I had I had the fundamentals to to learn how to do things, but I didn't really you know I hadn't done any any of this work intensively at that point um, until the SDK came out, and I had done a uh, a dashboard widget, um, which was oh yeah, those were like JavaScript and stuff. And they were little JavaScript things, yeah. And and the reason why I built it was for me at that at this point I was driving back and forth between Toronto and Hamilton, which is about a sixty kilometer drive along the uh, along the QW. Yeah. And, and and it was always one of those where I would go to the website, the MTO website, the Ministry of Transportation of Ontario website, to check the to check what the traffic was like, and they had a site where you could view all the traffic web cameras. Oh, of course. And the problem with it was uh, that the website was horrible; it was really difficult to navigate. So I said, ah, "Screw this! I'm going to make my own little widget." So all I need to do is move my mouse to the corner, and I can see what traffic is like, and then I know when I should leave the office or I should stick around and do a little bit more work. So naturally, when the iPhone came out, it's that's a perfect app idea. So sure enough, uh, I was you know I was number seven in line to pick up a phone and uh, grab my phone uh, the day it came out and started doing some you know, started developing that and had one of the first apps out in I guess one of the first Canadian apps out um, that wasn't one of the big kind of the the early 
before the early crush of everybody getting apps out on the store. So got a little bit of notoriety from that and, and whatnot. And uh, that landed me a, was offered a contract to uh, work on uh, an ebook reader for, uh, I guess at the time it was uh, still, uh, I guess, a division of Indigo Books and Music. And it was called Short Covers. And so I worked on the first few versions of that. Uh, and that got spun out and became Kobo. Oh, okay. Oh, I was geez. about to ask. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a Canadian connection there. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so that's how that. Yeah. So I worked on the first couple versions of that. Got the first version out in like just a couple months. It was uh, pretty crazy, pretty intense. But what I had done was at that point, you know, being bored and having being an en- engineer at heart. Even though I still can't call myself an engineer in Canada, I can tell you that story too. Um, uh, just to, to elaborate for everybody else since I went there. Uh, engineering is a protected term in Canada, so you can't just call yes. yourself an engineer. You need to be a professional engineer. So, for example, yes. for myself, I graduated from an accredited engineer, engineering program, which is the first step. And then you have to pass um, some, some ethics and, and, and other exams to, to become a professional engineer where you can carry that, you can use that term. So, and then you, can, you have to pay annual dues. My, my sister-in-law is an correct. engineer. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you become part of that, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's considered a profession, like lawyers and doctors and whatnot in Canada. Uh, so that's why that term's pr- uh, protected. Um, it also means yeah. you have legal liability. So you can't just yes. build an app and if it crashes, well, who cares? You know, because <laughs> the idea with, behind the, the professional designation is that if, if, if you screw up, you know, somebody dies and it isn't right. your app crashes, it's the the ABS in the car doesn't work or the pacemaker stops or the nuclear reactor melts down, you know, something exactly. like that. Exactly. If you just <laughs> built your first iOS app, they're not going to break yeah, the, not, not really, the control yeah. system for the uh, – Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the story a little bit, I uh, – so yeah, I stumbled into it that way and then I had taken a three-month leave of absence. So I was like, oh, let me let me f- feed that, that in- engineer in me that wants to build something's need and then I'll go back to school and finish my PhD. And three months turned into six months, which turned into a year, which then turned into me saying, hey, I'm going to go do a whole bunch of other things. So I started doing other contract work and building my own apps and dot, 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 seven and a bit years later, here I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> at, at Flixel, at Flixel. I'm, yeah, at Flixel, yeah. How, how long have you been at Flixel? So Flixel, Flixel started just over three years ago. Um, I started off as a contractor and came on shortly shortly after uh, the launch in, in March of 2012, I guess it was, yeah, almost three years ago. Um, so it came on full time. So um, I guess getting to that, yeah. So it's been three years. We, we started off as a, it was an iPhone only app. It was very much a Instagram for cinemagraphs. Um, so if you're not familiar with what a cinemagraph is, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a hybrid between photo and video. It's, uh, it looks like a nice, you know, there's a nice, beautiful scene. It looks like a photo, but then there's this element of motion that repeats over and over again. Um, so it's, so it's a build. little bit like, uh, the things in Harry Potter newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's one of those easy things. To, yeah. A lot of people, uh, are familiar with that to describe it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But then I guess we've just now over the course of the last few years, obviously taken it from something that is, uh, a, a toy and a fad to, to being, uh, um, to being this beautiful, high quality, uh, type of image. Right. Or even just a movie special effect, like something that's fake. Yeah, definitely. The use is real. Yeah. Yeah. The uses of it have, have, have been amazing. Just it, it's one of those things where it, we're so fortunate as, as software developers, right? And so, 
Um, we were just talking about this last week with the team, and it's it's crazy. We we build this tool, right? And the, and what people do with that tool is just absolutely unbelievable. So, as an example, you can think about it. You build a hammer, and and the the structures of the, you know, the house that someone builds with that hammer is just unbelievable. So, really fortunate to see what people have done with it, and the, the quality of the work has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that's uh, re really rewarding for for what it, you know this little tool that we thought we make. Uh, and the fact uh, that we have bigger phones and bigger iPads just makes it so much nicer to work with and to uh, display as well. Oh, definitely, and the power of it, uh, the limitations that we had. So so we built this three years ago. We were building on you know, the iPhone. I guess the iPhone four at that point. Four probably, yeah. Yeah, we were building on the four. Um, we start uh, we started right around there. Four, four, I can't even remember now. Anyhow, it was really, yeah, it was really underpowered. Um, and what we can do with it. <laughs> but now. it was retina, so that helps. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it did. Um, uh, and even just the things that we're doing, the first version generated animated GIFs. So doing all of that in memory. And we've always been pushing the kind of the, the limits of the hardware in terms of the memory resources required and then the processing oh, yeah. time that was required. It's It's been, we've mm -hmm. always been on the edge with that, um, even as the devices have gotten on bigger and faster and all the rest of it. Um, and so we, we started, we started with an, a, you know, kind of a toy app and we were bumbling along with that for a little while. And we had, we had come to market about three weeks later than, uh, a competitor, um, uh, ironically also out of Canada, out of Montreal called Cinemagram. And so every, every story about Cinemagraphs and or our app obviously mentioned them and they, uh, they had done some really good uh, business development and marketing early on to get a large number of users. So they were skyrocketing in downloads and all the rest of it. And even though we felt like we had a better product, that time that it took us to get out allowed, you know, caused us to miss that window type thing. So we were, oh. we were playing along with it. So it was one of those where you see them taking off and we're just kind of bumping along and trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, and that was one of the things we, we took a step back and said, okay, well, who's still using this and who's using this regularly? And it wasn't the masses. It wasn't the, here's this free app, everybody's going to be doing this type uh, business. Like Instagram or something. Like Instagram, exactly. And I guess early on at this point, this was pre-Instagram being purchased. They, they were bought just around the time that the app launched. So so with that in mind, it was, okay, what do we do now? And looking at it, we realized that, hey, these, these photographers and videographers and artists that are doing some really great work. And, um, and we had this toy app that outputted, at first it was animated GIFs, then we migrated to video, but it was still this tiny little resolution. We said, no, we got to do, you know, we got to do high quality HD, create a real tool for them to use. And um, I know this is this is strange for a lot of a lot of startup companies, but we would charge money for that. It's a crazy idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we were, you know, as we were going through starting to, to kind of plan that out and work that out, um, it was uh, first of I guess a few roller coasters that we've had over the last few years. Uh, we got an email from the uh, the Tyra Banks company, and uh, awesome that that just the went, model yeah. right? Yes, yeah. So uh, the, the idea behind that was that um, Tyra Banks wanted to integrate cinemagraphs on the show. And she had talked to a number of people that were doing them, including the other app development companies um, and Kevin Berg, uh, sorry, Jamie Beck and Kevin Berg, who were the couple that, that, that kind of coined the term and, and really popularized the medium. 
Um, but one of the things for them was that for one shoot would take them three days to do. And the format of the show is each episode, each episode was shot in three days. Uh, we would have had only like a day or two of editing. They would have wanted 10 to 15 cinemagraphs output for each one. Um, so we said, yeah, we've got the tools for that as we're building them. <laughs> um, so, so we went in there and, and we kind of gave them, this is our vision for, or this is what we're building. And this is also the platform that we have and all the things that we can do for them. And they, they, they loved it and they loved our pitch. So, uh, we started, uh, started working with them. And um, so it ended up being that every episode of, of Cycle 20 of America's Next Top Model was a, was a living photo shoot using, using our technology instead of being a still photo shoot. One of our other co-founders was effectively a supervising producer on set every time. Um, that must have felt pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, some of the story. I, I don't think we've ever shared any of the pictures, but there's there's one. So the first couple of weeks of of, of filming, uh, I was down there uh, only to, you know, like, as as issues would come up, figure it out, fix a bug, implement a feature. Um, Technical on, advisor on, on set, yeah. So I, you know, there's there's a couple of times there where I'm sitting there on set next to the cast. They're on one couch, and I'm just over, you know, over on the other couch. Well, and they're doing the whole thing. I'm off camera, and I'm just hacking away. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was, uh, it was pretty surreal experience with all of that, but it was a lot of fun, definitely. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, so that just that obviously was a, a big uh, big turning point for us. It helped us legitimize. Uh, one, what we were doing in the medium, and it's not just a fad. It's not just uh, the you know something that has staying power because of that. Um, and obviously, the lessons learned from that went directly into us uh, into what we, we what we ended up building for our Mac app, which was launched uh, I guess almost a year ago now. And uh, that was a a huge evolution, really, in uh, for for your company as well, eh? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I guess the the next major wave from that. Um, so we we got we got Cinemagraph Pro for Mac out the end of February uh, of last year, and um, and yeah, that was a bit of a whirlwind. After that, uh, we got a call. Um, we got a call the day of from uh, Apple Worldwide Developer Rep saying, "Hey, notice you launched this app. It's really great. You know, we don't." We don't have too many photo apps on the store that does do new things, right? I guess uh, a lot of the apps there are kind of the same filter apps or doing this or doing that. There wasn't anything new and different, so it caught their attention. Perfect. Um, so, so in typical Apple style, it was, oh, hey, it would be really great if your app did this and really great if your app did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay, let's build it as quickly as we can because they're asking for it. <laughs> when <laughs> Apple asks uh, yeah, to jump, yeah. you see how high, right? It, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, really unbeknownst to us that um, it was um, – you know, only to learn after the fact it was because we were in the running for an ADA, which was pretty crazy for us considering it was a 1.0 version of this app that, that hadn't you know, kind of there there was no model for it. I mean, the, the idea of the cinemagraph is it, it's not photo, it's not video. So there's really no template for it where we just say, oh, we can do these things. We we, we spent a long time trying to figure out those interface details that 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 didn't exist because you never had to do those types of things before. It's like when they started to do 3D, uh, 3D modeling, like on a 2D screen. There's a right. bunch of controls you have to put that don't make sense otherwise. And uh, yeah. there's all sorts of crazy interfaces that came up because of that. Yeah. So, and, and for us, the evolution of the app, 
you know, just over, a, you know, even just a short period of time was absolutely dramatic. And, um, and uh, the, just credit the way that we work together as a team, kind of this uh, kind of question everything, um, you know, reevaluate it all constantly and, and always try to try to just keep making it better. Um, it's just our, our philosophy at moving it forward. Um, so we're fortunate enough to be able to, to do that quickly enough to, uh, to be, you know, to be uh, honored and humbled with, with the award this year. Yeah. Con congratulations on that. That's, that's yeah, pretty, uh, yeah. it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you must have a, a pretty faithful, um, group of professionals, I guess, who, who use your products and, and are interested in the next features that you're using. Like, do you, do you find there's a, there's a lot of back and forth between like your, your pro users who really get a lot out of, out of, out of what you do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got a few people that are absolutely, the work that they do is absolutely amazing and, and the way they're able to crank it out. And they're always, you know, offering suggestions of, of what they would like to see. And, and for us, it's big to get those, you know, that turnaround. Sometimes we get them builds, you know, same day, if not uh, wow. soon thereafter. Yeah. yeah. You know, just awesome. to, to put it into their hands, let them test it out. And then uh, that's a good validator for us to be able to say, yep, this is a worthwhile thing to put in or not. So, excuse me. So you say you're also a, a maker. Um, aside yeah. from the software engineering aspects, uh, yeah. does that apply to more of the the community aspects of what what you might be yeah. involved in? Like, or sure, yeah. Uh, I guess for me personally, I think I've been a, a, a bad community member of late or for a while now. Uh, early on, I gave some talks. Uh, early iOS development back before it was really a thing. I guess in those first first little year or so, I uh, did some talks at a. Um, Canadian undergraduate conference called QSEC in Montreal, did PodCamp Toronto. Uh, but quickly thereafter, I've been kind of heads down building things <laughs> and haven't really, haven't, uh, it was one of those where it's like, oh, it'd be really good if I did these things. And it just didn't because I was up till 4 a.m. writing code. Yeah. That, that's kind of understandable. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I haven't prioritized that. Uh, for me personally, uh, in the last little bit, it's because, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I've been feeling the pressure of, I've been putting the pressure on myself to do that. So um, I guess I've, you know, since in that time, I've only done, done kind of one talk since then, which was, uh, which was TACO, uh, which is the Toronto area uh, Cocoa Web Objects meetup. So it's like our Cocoa Heads um, that's been around so long. It was, it, Web Objects is still in the name. So uh, uh, <laughs> credit to them uh, on Core Image. Um, and I guess recently I did a talk on, uh, on execution uh, for the software entrepreneurship class at McMaster. Um, so this leads to when Dan emailed me, I was, it, was, it was a quick and easy response to say, yes, I want to <laughs> be able to, to share, uh, you know, even just a small bit of the accumulated knowledge that I've, <laughs> I have over the last several years uh, to be able to, do, to share with you guys. So when you're not, when you're not uh, uh, stopping work at 4 a.m., what, what is it to do outside of, uh, of uh, development and uh, design and marketing? Yeah, uh, for me, I guess, you know, things I'm into, um, I'm a software developer, therefore I like fussy coffee. Uh, so for <laughs> me, it's, <laughs> so for me, it's making it in a siphon pot, uh, have it home. So if you're not familiar with that, look it up. It's really cool. It's science every day. Um, get my beans freshly roasted from a local, uh, local roaster called pig iron. So it's always Ooh, tasty cool. and fresh. Um, I'll bring some along. Um, some of the listeners might be, uh, might Remember that I bring the mobile coffee kit with me. So, for example, for example, whoever was sitting with me at this year at 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 Singleton, uh, we're we're always uh, we're we're um, 
we're lucky to have some of this great coffee because I'd bring it down and, and make a few pots for everybody and share. The, um, the siphon I process, guess, is that is that where you put it on the on the stove element and it boils up, like the water boils up through the grounds and then back down again? Yeah, so there's it's kind of like two, there's two chambers and there's a, a rubber gasket that, that closes it off. So uh, what happens is when you close off the bottom part, the, the water vapor starts to build up, but it has nowhere to go. So it starts to push the water, the liquid water, through... Uh, through the glass cylinder all the way up into the second into the top part awesome. and then you brew the coffee up there and then when you take it off the heat because the the water pressure below uh or the air pressure in the in the lower part uh has, has continued to decrease as the water was evaporating uh now the kind of the, the the vacuum is reversed so therefore it pulls down to equalize the pressure it pulls the the liquid back down into the bottom part bottom part of the pot so yeah it's always a lot of fun it's a great party trick for whenever we have people over <laughs> yeah, yeah i've always wanted to try yeah. that method it's really yeah. cool yeah so i guess the other things are uh, uh cocktails uh i try to make my own we also have a really great cocktail place down the street so that, that's a good spot so my uh my favorites are a, a boulevardier um and an old pal which is kind of uh, duels of each other uh, boulevardier is uh, a bourbon sweet vermouth and campari and the uh, the old pal is uh, rye, uh, dry vermouth in Campari. So they kind of balance each other out. Yeah. Very tasty. And some of the other stuff's just uh, – um, I got some reclaimed – I built a reclaimed wood table, and we built some uh, reclaimed – <laughs> we built some reclaimed wood uh, shelves and whatnot, you know, well before all the hipsters started doing that. <laughs> well, there's also a fact that you, you, you probably like to work with your hands from time to time because it's different than just thinking at the keyboard, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It goes it back to, difference. you know, when I was in high school, I took all the shop classes, right? It was always fun to do that stuff and balance that out. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in the, in the few, in the few spare, t- spare hours, been able to manage to do some of that, but. Excellent. Cool, Mark. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, what's the uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, best way to get in touch with me is probably on Twitter. Uh, it's also really easy to remember. It's uh, my initials, MHP. Uh, or email, uh, also MHP at Flixel.com. All right. We actually have some another important news item to share tonight. We are teaming up with our friends from Toronto's The Working Group for a very special event called a Nerd Learn. The working group puts on a few of these a year, and they are a great way to meet new friends and talk shop for an evening. A very special panel of speakers will be there to drive the conversation. For the next Learn, it's all about the Apple Watch. You'll be able to hear our panelists' perspectives on what it's like developing and designing for the watch, and the impact on their businesses, and whether or not you need to be planning for it. The panel currently consists of Brian Gillum of TWG, our guest tonight, Mark Pavlidis of Flixel Photos. Looking forward to it and our very own Philip Casgrain of NS North, and more will be announced soon. There will be pizza and beer, and a cover of $5 to get you through the door. A very small price to pay for a great evening of learning and socializing. Please visit bit.ly slash nlwatch, or bit.ly slash nlwatch for more information, and to RSVP. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope to see you there. Tickets are still available. Have you bought yours? Be sure to check out our website at nsnorth.ca for all the details. And you can follow us on Twitter at nsnorth. And also make sure you're on our mailing list, which we use to send out important announcements. There's a sign-up form for that on our website. Thanks for listening. And join us again next time as we will introduce, and you can get to know more about, another great speaker. Phil, how can people get in touch with you? 
So I'm Philip C on Twitter and I'm at, uh, Phil at NSNorth.ca. And I'm underscore Dan Byers on Twitter and you can email me at Dan at NSNorth.ca. See you soon. Mm-hmm.